Welcome to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Parker. Support of your Locked SEC Football Podcast comes from Manscaped, number one in men's blood belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Precision engineer tools. Use 20% off and get free shipping with the code Locked On at Manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping on Manscaped.com. So check it out. We got a lot of news to get to today. Uh, Auburn scrimmage did a quarterback rise above the rest. Uh, also, more news uh, from Auburn and news of Alabama, where it appears that they have found uh, the running back for the Crimson Tide. Arkansas Chad Morris isn't happy, and uh, Tennessee loses yet another lineman. Also, news out of Mississippi State, and then. Is the ACC a better conference than the SEC? Well, Dabo Sweeney thinks so. Of course, he has invested in school to give Chris his thoughts. But uh, a lot to get to. And then the top SEC games. As well. News of the day, Auburn with a big scrimmage uh, yesterday morning. Uh, everybody wants to know um, which quarterback stood out at this point. It appears as if Chris uh, one did not stand out. No, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, both uh, both had appropriate number of reps uh, and performed admirably. Is uh, you know did uh, did what about what they expected, but no one really stood out. Uh, I think they're obviously like most are getting close to trying to figure out where are they going to go in terms of giving the number one reps uh, more consistently, but uh, nothing nothing. Um, significant there in terms of someone standing out. You know, people always are looking at, uh, well, when are you going to name one? When are you going to name one? It, it really comes down more on the player. And uh, they they really have to take over the job. And then until someone stands out, you know, it's hard to, to really make that judgment at this point. But uh, at some point you do have to, to make that decision. And a lot of it's just not based upon – uh, maybe things that people might think. It's uh, things behind the scenes, how well they uh, handle in meetings, pick things up, so on and so forth. The, probably the uh, the one of the other issues that's really come out of it is in most cases uh, some of the health issues. Uh, uh, K.J. Britt sat out of the scrimmage. We did mention that he had um, some uh, injuries that, uh, that set him out on the practice the previous day. And, uh, of course, so he's going to be the, the new Mike and – making all the checks there, but he set out. So that's the biggest news coming out of their scrimmage uh, on Thursday. Well, and they've got a new uh, football facility that's uh, coming down the pike, and you, you really have to do this. It's not much of a choice uh, just to kind of keep up with the Joneses because everybody, every uh, big program in the SEC, maybe with the exception of, of Florida, which uh, is probably going to announce something you would think soon, has it's, it's got the, the ultimate facilities. Well, Georgia, you're talking about, uh, is is got a, an $80 million facility that is um, scheduled to be approved uh, probably early in the fall. Uh, but they're looking at um, new weight room and new facilities, and they've made some, some significant upgrades at Georgia uh, since Kirby's gotten there. And Kirby has um, been adamant in doing that, and Greg McGarrity's. Um, been working really hard behind the scenes to get all those things done. So they're they're very excited. So um, uh, obviously good news for the Georgia Bulldogs as they uh, is uh, it, keeping up with the Joneses. LSU unveiled their new uh, 
new weight, uh, excuse me, new uh, locker room recently. So it is a uh, keeping up with the Joneses, and it's a definitely an arms race in terms of facilities around the country. And the SEC has been the leader in that for years and years. They're about 30 years ahead of, uh, you know, in a lot of places around the country in terms of facilities is they're constantly redoing, constantly adding, constantly going through some different um, different uh, ways to go about making things bigger and better that helps them in recruiting and helps them in player development. Well, and th- there's just so much money now. It's not as if, you know, it seems to me, if, if, if I recall correctly, 15, 20 years ago, there were two or three teams that boasted the best facilities and that helped them in recruiting. Uh, right now, it, it can only be a negative if you don't have elite facilities. It's not. I don't know that it's a selling point as much as it is. You just have to do it to keep up. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and and the the, the best facilities um, in most cases are the newest ones. I mean, it's just the the most recent ones are the best. I mean, it's just kind of like when you you do a great job, you have great facilities, and you know, five years later. You go from maybe, hey, that maybe his best facilities to, you know, now there's 15 of them that are more recent that are uh, newer and fancier. Uh, you know, I think that the real thing is you got to have something that has great functionality, but it has to have something that really gives players an opportunity to show how important, you know, football is, uh, it kind of caters to their needs academically. Uh, time away from football um, that can great uh, create team unity, um, and then certainly the very best at the rehabbing uh, from injuries and prevention of injuries uh, and the weight room, all of those things that allows you to do things at a very high level to be on the cutting edge. Nutrition is the biggest thing now. How do you do it? And uh, in, in, in having that set up, you know, with just football and then the rest of the sport somewhere else or just one whole, one whole nutrition facility. But the ability to be able to, and I've always said this, that if you're going to be in the position to provide for the best of the players, um, the fuel of the players, the nutrition, those things, it, it really starts there. And, um, you know, you've got places around the country, UCLA is – never had a nutrition facility, and they're starting to get one. And, um, you know, that's something that I think is more and more um, new and, and it, kind of new age compared to the other. You know, it's always been weight room and locker room, but nutrition centers are the, the big thing, or the, the, uh, the, the new thing of the day. It's really not new, but it's, it's people are putting a greater emphasis on having a special nutrition center and a special um, nutrition staff that can help aid the players um, get rid of baby fat, put on good weight, um, increase the protein level, you know, do all the sorts of things that put weight on one guy, keep weight off of another, and all those things um, need to be handled. And, um, you know, I, I think it's really good for the development. Some people think it's very opulent and, you know, over the top. But uh, that's kind of the way it is when you're in an arms race. Yep, absolutely. And uh, speaking of arms race, all these teams are trying to catch up to Alabama. It looks like they've got another great uh, running back. Your thoughts on Trey Sanders? Cause well, yeah, he's, he's one of the options. He's really good worker. Um, listen, I mean, they've got it's, – it's, it's really Harris and Robinson and 
Jerome Ford. And, but Trey Sanders is another guy in that mix. Um, he's really had a good camp, and it's the little things that he does. He's not Josh Jacobs, but he's Josh J- Jacobs-like in terms of his work ethic. So that's a, you know, that's a good sign. Everyone talks about well, Alabama gets all the great players. They do, but just from a development standpoint, getting guys better wherever they are. They start in as, and I hate the term, but this is how people relate to it: five stars or three stars. Guys get better in that program consistently. And when they don't, it's really on the player because there's, there's, there's got such a system that uh, if, if you uh, uh, come in and you put in the time and the work, you're, you're going to become as good as your abilities will allow you. And they can get a lot out of you. So, um, you know, it's, a, it's another guy that they, they're certainly going to throw into the mix and Getting carries is always going to be a challenge there. But, uh, yeah, he's a really good, very versatile. Yep. So it would be interesting to see uh, what he's able uh, to do with all the depth there. But we've seen running backs at Alabama sit for a year or two and still have uh, fantastic careers. Arkansas's Chad Morris not very uh, happy. He was uh, pretty outspoken, uh, kind of challenging his team publicly. Your thoughts on what's going on in Casey's camp there? Yeah. Well, he's still in that culture change mode. You know, remember, you know, he had the, the little, and this, these are little mnemonic things that you do that, you know, he made, um, he took um, all the gear, the issue gear that players get, and he made, uh, he's made them where they don't have any of the Arkansas logo stuff, Arkansas football stuff. And basically said, you got to earn it. You got to, you know, and, and until you work and, you know, so their weight room gear doesn't have it or anything. So they, they're having to try to kind of prove themselves. And I, I think that's still kind of happening. He's he's not real happy with kind of some of the development. The quarterback situation, people want to know about that. Uh, there's no leader right now. I mean, that, that still is yet to be earned. No one's really stood out there. Um, not really happy with um, – the tight end, C.J. O'Grady, who's got a back issue, but I think he's concerned a little bit about some of the work ethic in the in the uh, in the training room getting better. So uh, I think this is kind of the early signs, and sometimes there is uh, some discussions in the media uh, for the purpose of sending a message to your players, and I think that's what Chad's kind of going through right now. Yep, I would agree. I think we saw some of that at Tennessee a year ago. We've seen it at other schools as well. Tennessee loses another lineman, Nathan Niehaus. No disrespect to Nathan, but I don't think this is a huge loss. He was, I believe, 255 pounds coming out of high school. He was the light type of offensive lineman uh, with a bit of a smaller frame that I think they wanted in Bush Jones's offense, but always wondered if he'd be a fit in, in the new offense. It's more power-based with Jeremy Pruitt. What do you make of this loss? Well, no, it's not a, a loss in terms of a guy that was going to have an impact um, in game day situations. But you're dealing with depth issues, and I think that gets oh, something that gets overlooked is, uh, you know, you have a hard time kind of running scout teams effectively when you don't have enough experience. So that's kind of part of the problems and part of your development. Uh, not a, a tremendous loss in terms of a, of a overly talented individual, but a really good kid that worked hard for him. And, you know, um, that's part of the program when you try to get guys um, 
enough guys that can allow you to develop and uh, grow within your program. Uh, come really good, uh, uh, you know, special teams guys, really good uh, scout team guys. As a, as a former one myself, I can appreciate that, you know, given your offenses and defenses, good looks are really, really important. So not so much here, but, you know, losing guys, it's been uh, it's something that Tennessee really can afford to lose just about as much as anybody in the, uh, in, in the conference right now. They're, they're really thin. Dabo Sweeney had some strong comments about the ACC. We'll discuss after this. Stay tuned. You're locked on SEC Football Podcast. Rolls on with Chris Landry of Landry Football. I'm Dave Hooker. You are locked on SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. It is your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. The ACC is a better conference than the SEC. So says Dabo Sweeney, who happens to be the head coach at Clemson, which is in the ACC. Uh, your thoughts on these these comments? You, is there any merit to that? Could you even make an argument that the ACC is better than the SEC? No, but it's it's one of those things that you take with a grain of salt. I can remember Jimbo Fisher said the same thing. I, it maybe was two years ago uh, at the ACC uh, press lunch, and that's that's kind of it's kind of what's done. It's um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and of course, you, you know, Jimbo would would certainly say the opposite now that he's in the SEC or back in the SEC again um, as uh, as a head coach now. Uh, you know, listen, I think a lot of it is, um, and I've never gotten into the whole, well, this conference is, I mean, I think they're based upon uh, factors. Uh, how do you rank a conference? Because a conference is not a team, it's a collection of teams. So you're looking at a lot of different uh, circumstances. But uh, I, I think one thing that's pretty clear is that the SEC has more elite programs. Um, I would say that. Overall, outside of Clemson, uh, the Pac-12 is a better conference than the ACC. They've got more really good, you know, teams right now. Now, some of that's cyclical, some of that changes, but um, no, I don't. I don't think that is, and uh, I would uh, would think that Dabo knows that it's not. But I think that's just one of those things that takes place when when you're getting into the, the media circuit where people are asking you questions and they tend to downgrade maybe what you did. I think he's having a little bit of an issue, and I understand it, uh, of people saying things. Um, and this, this tends to happen a lot, um, you, you know, where people uh, take shots at, well, you, you, you may have won the national championship, but you don't play in a tough league. you got an easy road. Well, I think as as a program, you get a little bit tired of hearing that, that you didn't really, yeah, you won it, but you didn't really deserve it or, you know, try to diminish what you did. But, of course, they deserved it. And Clemson could line up and play in the SEC and play an SEC schedule and do, you know, every bit as good as Georgia and Alabama's doing. Uh, they're not they're not having to do it because the conference is not very good. And I've said this, that there's a bigger gap between Clemson and the second-best team in the ACC than there is in any conference, Power Five or Group of Five. So there's, there's Clemson and Clemson and Clemson and Clemson, and then there is figure out who's the second-best. 
whereas um, I think other conferences have a little bit more competition at the top. And that mainly has a lot to do with the fact that Florida State has really been down. Miami hasn't done what I think they could potentially do. And so that kind of you know changes the league a little bit. And I think the league is not awful. I think there's some pretty good teams that just are competitive near the middle and the bottom. But in terms of being like top 10 type good, I mean, there's there's not a team right now that is even close to being competitive. Um, everybody else is just trying to go to a bowl game, you know, whereas Clemson's trying to win the national championship. That's, that's, a, big, that's a big difference and a big gap. Um, so I think that's just much ado about nothing, frankly. It's, is the biggest difference just financial support? Because there's tradition at Miami and, and Florida State, and, um, you know, they, they are recruiting the same area as the SEC, but I hear about facilities. I see Jimbo Fisher not happy with the support that he had at Florida State. And is that just the, the biggest difference, or is that oversimplifying it? No, I think you're on to the right track. I mean, I think it's, you know, there, there are certain circumstances that, that affect each place. But Clemson has, obviously, the elite facilities. Florida State had a really good coach that they lost because he went from, I mean, you're talking about Florida State, and he leaves to go to Texas A&M because Texas A&M has got a lot better facilities and resources. And Florida State has great recruiting resources in their own right in the state of Florida but the facilities are, are definitely not up to speed. So that is a big part of it. Um, now, you know, you've got places that probably have better facilities than you might think in the league, but no, not an elite level. Miami has never had elite facilities and um, will never probably have the, the best of the best there, and they don't own the state of, of uh, oh, excuse me, of the, the area. They used to call it the state of Miami. That's why I called it the state because they, the whole Dade County, they don't own that in recruiting anymore. But, you know, I would say, too, that Miami's had some, a lot of coaching changeovers, which they did when they were great as well. They had a lot of coaches had success. But the instability there, they've not been as well coached there, and they haven't recruited as well. Florida State, it's facilities, but Florida State went from, you know, they had a really good coach. They didn't support from a facility standpoint. Now Florida State's got a facility problem and a coaching problem. So that really sends your program back. Um, I do think that Florida State's going to do some things to improve their facilities now, but it's a little too little too late to, to save the guy that's, that's off the A&M. That's probably a much better coach than Florida State's going to get. But we'll, we'll see what they can do. So I do think that, that financial resources and the facilities have a tremendous amount to do with it. Um, but if you look at the schools in the league, uh, you can look at Virginia Tech, who had con, uh, consistent success, not doing a very good job right now under Justin Fuente. But then you got a Brock and Mendenhall that's overachieving. Georgia Tech's kind of re, reinventing their program a little bit to some degree. Um, you know, Pitt's got unique facilities tied in with the Steelers, but they've not been able to recruit at a high level. I think NC State does a better job than most people think, but doesn't have a great high profile. And I think Clemson, excuse me, uh, Syracuse has done a nice job against Clemson and have improved themselves. But uh, I think there's no doubt that um, 
that facilities have a big part of the issue. And with the ACC network starting in like two weeks, uh, the money from that, very curious to see what that can do and what they're willing to put into their facilities to upgrade their programs in the conference. Thoughts on uh, Clemson not giving Missouri quarterback Kelly Bryant a national championship ring? This this kind of just keeps rolling on. It first came up at SEC Media Days, and I asked Kelly Bryant about it. And, um, it, you know, the fact that Dabo has kind of doubled down and that's he's had his stance, I, I don't really understand it completely. It seems like it would be easy just to – Give him a ring. Uh, I think they're only like what three or four hundred dollars the college championship rings, and and just be done with it. I I don't know. It came across as kind of petty. How did you read it? Well, it's certainly not a money issue. It's not that they can't afford it or they boy I don't want to spend the money on that. I I, I think it's just a statement. I mean, I know it's a statement. Um, the player has a right to leave if he wants to. Um, and let's go back make sure that people understand the whole story. Kelly Bryant um, did not have any eligibility left if he played in another game. You got to the point where you could play four games and still get a redshirt year and, you know, play at current school or transfer in his case. Uh, so he wanted to preserve that. Um Dabo made sure that he made the move where he knew that after four games, he kind of knew the situation. I think he had hopes that Kelly would stay at Clemson, maybe help support the team, work some in practice, be there in case Trevor Lawrence went down, and possibly be the hero as you know the quarterback that comes in like Jalen Hurts did to save Alabama – um, I think that's what he hoped for. In other words, he wasn't going to play him anymore. That's the reason why I said I won't play you because Trevor's going to be our starter. I'm not going to put you in a, you know, I, I will put you in only if you're okay with it because it would require you to give up your final year. So you would have the option to play if Trevor goes down or sit and we play a younger guy and you'd just be there. But, well, Kelly didn't want to do that. He felt he earned the job. He felt the slap in the face. And, so instead of staying with the program, he just left, and he has the right to do that. I think they felt like if you're going to leave the program, you're not part of the team. Why do you deserve a ring, and it's not about the money? Uh, listen, I, I'm a, a little bit of a hard ass as a coach, and, and I think if somebody leaves, then they're not part of the program, and they're not deserving of that. It would be very easy to say, and I am certainly open to the thought, well, he was part of the program for a while, and he certainly was part of the team this past year. He did play well against A&M and, quite frankly, kind of pulled him out of the fire in the A&M game. A&M might have pulled the upset against Clemson in that game had it not been for him. So he did contribute in the early part. I don't know that I would just do it to kind of, you know, sound good or whatever. I, I, I think you'll wonder a little bit of, of, of how people felt in that locker room. I, I think that that is probably not being talked about enough. Uh, I think players like Kelly Bryant, I think they all did. I think some players over there were a little frustrated that Kelly decided to just leave them. 
Others understood it and said, you know what, it's it's kind of a business, personal business. So, listen, I'm fine with it either way. I do understand that it sounds petty, looks petty, maybe might hurt them a little bit in the recruiting end of it, uh, may have to answer some of that, may reverse feel and go ahead and give them a ring, although at this point it would be, it'd be a really, really embarrassing situation for them. So probably wasn't handled as well. Certainly could have calmed all the issues had they given them a ring. You're right there. But I think we're living in a current era, era era where everybody knows all of your business and everything needs to be done with PR in mind, which is, you know, a lot different than the world I grew up in. Yeah, and, and if I'm Kelly Bryant, and I know each transfer is different, I, I'm bolting too because I don't want – um, to be put in a situation where I may go in for Trevor Lawrence for a drive because he's he's gotten injured and he turns out to be okay. I mean, I I get the all for team thing, but you also got to think about yourself at some point, Chris, and think I could get another season to to show right. that I'm NFL ready, whether or not he is. Well, and I don't think that was the plan. I think what was discussed was he wasn't going to go in in that situation that you talked about. I think the only issue would have been Trevor goes down. Now you're the starting quarterback again. Now go help lead us to a national championship. I don't think it would have been a one-game situation. In fact, that was the point. Now let's make sure we're you know, explaining the whole story of it. Dabo could have easily started Trevor for one more game, the fifth game. And then, because Tre- but because Kelly, Kelly said, Bryant. no, no, I'm talking about it, I, he could have started Kelly Bryant for right. a, a fifth game, and you know, it, but in in a, in a in a case of that, then that would have been it. Now that would have been dirty pool if he had purposely started him for a fifth game to keep him there, which. Quite frankly, the kid might have just left anyway out of frustration, but he would not have eligibility left. So he kind of made the decision. Now, Kelly was very frustrated because he said that he thought that he was pulled as the starter too soon because he was playing well. Well, the reason why they pulled him as a starter, I think he would have started another game or two before Trevor Lawrence came in. The reason he didn't was because Dabble understood that one he started him for a fifth game that ate up his last year of eligibility. So Dabon was aware of it and protected the kid and gave him the option, and he just decided to leave. But, you know, I, they would not have put him in just in mop-up duty, or I, I think they he would have been protection in the event that they needed him, you know, in the Ronda championship, and he became the starter if Trevor went down. Um so that's kind of that's kind of the way I see it. Look, I I understand both sides of it. That's that's all part of it, and there's no doubt he had a right to transfer. The rules say he does, and certainly wanting to start. Uh, but the reality is, Clemson made the right move. The, they don't win a national championship without Kelly with Kelly Bryant starting and without Trevor Lawrence starting last year. I, I can tell you that with with a with a great deal of certainty in my mind. Uh, so they did the right thing, I think, by Kelly Bryant by giving him the option, and you know maybe they didn't do the right thing by not giving him a ring. That may be perceived as petty, and I can go along with that. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to look at the top SEC games this season. He's Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. I'm Dave Hooker. More to come.
You are Locked On SEC Football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to your Locked On SEC Football Podcast. There are always some fantastic games in the SEC slate, and, well, of course, 2019 is no exception. Top SEC games in September. Uh, what are your thoughts, Chris? What games stand out to you? Well, I mean, going maybe in chronological order, I'm looking at early uh, September 7th, uh, real early. We've got, uh, we just talked about um, Clemson, and we talked a little bit about the A&M game with them. Well, that's a repeat game back in Death Valley. A&M goes to Clemson September 7th. I don't think this is much of a threat for A&M to go on the road and beat Clemson, but it is going to be an intriguing game on that same day. LSU and Texas play, uh, big game, obviously for both. The loser is, you know, I don't know that Texas is national championship caliber like some people think or playoff caliber, but uh, a win here would certainly aid that. A loss would would make it very difficult for the loser here to be in that mix. So that jumps out chronologically in the early part of September. And then I think we go into September 21st where – the game is Notre Dame-Georgia. That's going to be the primetime CBS game. Um, is Georgia kind of seemingly makes their run, beating a Notre Dame is going to be uh, a feather in their cap there out of conference. Um, certainly Notre Dame, uh, a win there would help them. I mean, Notre Dame has to be unbeaten to be in the mix. So it's, you know, more than likely. So probably um, – you know, beating Georgia is, is going to be pivotal for them. So that's a big game, obviously, a spotlight game. I don't know how good of a game uh, it'll be, but Tennessee-Florida could potentially be good. Uh, I think it, it's definitely a point of we'll see where Florida's depth is, but right now they're better on a different level a little bit than than Tennessee. How close is Tennessee? What type of grounds they make up on uh, Florida? I think it's a good litmus test game. So I, I think we've got at least in those cases four games that bring some intrigue in the early part of uh, this SEC season. I remember when it seemed like Tennessee Florida was the only SEC mm-hmm. game in, in September. That's certainly a change. As you're locked on SEC football podcast, we will talk to you Monday. Have a fantastic weekend, everyone.